Welcome to The Lens, hosted by Catalysis, where we get a glimpse inside healthcare organizations that are transforming to a culture of improvement to deliver continually higher value outcomes for patients, staff, and communities. Visit createvalue.org slash the lens for more information about Catalysis. Welcome back to The Lens. I'm your host, Peter Mariahazi. The COVID-19 pandemic turned many of our lives upside down, inside out, which highlighted the need for leaders to be able to help their staff by translating behavior and shifting thinking to help keep work environments positive for everyone. Today, Carrie Birchall, Organizational Development Leader at Southern Illinois Health, will share a methodology that leaders can use to help staff who are struggling in the rapidly changing environment that COVID-19 has presented. Thank you for joining us, Carrie. My pleasure. Before we get started, please tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Peter, for that question. I've uh, been in healthcare for about five years and was in education prior to that. But I stumbled into healthcare with a life decision that my husband and I made, uh, and I say we started medical school when he was 39. And during that time, um, lived in three different countries, six different cities, nine different organizations, and I really started to see how structures drive behavior. And so what we're going to talk about today is, is one structure to really help drive some of that behavior that we want to see. I'm sure that Southern Illinois Healthcare is no different than your healthcare system, where we're seeing some behaviors popping up that maybe are less than ideal and want to look at some ways where we can help people shift their thinking and in turn the behaviors that go with that. I have to believe getting into medicine is a family decision. <laughs> sure it was for us. <laughs> so can you give us an overview of the four strategies to shift thinking and translate behavior? Absolutely. An easy four-step model and we'll talk through a couple of these examples as we get into it. The first one is to really identify what you expect as a leader of the norms, values, behaviors, and beliefs of your team. So we can't really expect people to shift their thinking or behavior if they're not super clear on what we expect in terms of their behavior around norms, values, behaviors, beliefs. Second thing is to simply actively listen. I think that's one of the hardest soft skills in leadership. The third step is act, ask open-ended questions. And then the last step, you're really calling that person to action. So with that short review, let's dive in. Peter in these scenarios is going to be the employee, so thank you, Peter. And I'm gonna take on the leader's voice and we'll really talk through how we apply these four models of identifying those norms, values, behaviors, and beliefs, actively listen, ask open-ended questions, and call the person to action. So in this first scenario, we're having a situation where some employees are coming back from furlough. So imagine that time where the federal government is kicking in the extra $600. Um, I'm observing that Peter's come back from work and he just doesn't seem that engaged. He's kind of complaining about nitpicky things. You know, if the staff that had been there are sort of frustrated with them because they're really tired. They've been working so hard. And here's Peter, all relaxed and fresh and just not stepping it up. So I'm going to initiate this conversation and we're going to just role play how shifting thinking and behavior can really look for you. Here we go. Hey, Peter, 
I've just been touching base with everybody who's come back from work and really just wanted to see how things are settling in. Do you have a minute to chat? I guess. I'm not really doing anything too pressing right now. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's just step over here to the side. Tell me a little bit of just generally, how's it going? Uh, okay, I guess. We aren't as busy as we used to be. Yeah, well, that's true. It's a really upside down, inside out kind of time. And, and as you can tell, the organization has really lost a lot of revenue, which impacts the volumes that we see through our department. It makes it that much more important that we really all work together to get things done and to support the organization kind of getting back to whatever the new normal really is. You know, I'm just, I'm not really happy being back to work. I, I should be getting paid more. Wow. It, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that. I'm, if I'm catching you right, you're not really that happy being back at work. Yeah. It was nice being home and getting paid more. Well, fair enough. That federal treat I think was, was great for a lot of people on furlough and, and can be kind of, demotivating when you think about coming back and kind of working for less money. Am I getting that that's some of your frustration right now? Yeah, I guess I am pretty frustrated. So in part, I guess it's that you want to be paid more. You know, what else is kind of influencing this lack of motivation that I kind of am seeing from you? You really just don't seem to be yourself. Well, everything, it all, it all just seems to be about the money. Hmm. But I'm not sure I'm tracking you. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean all about the money? Well, look, it, it seems like this is all to get us to have more revenue and no one is paying me hazardous pay or anything extra. I just had to come back or lose my job. Mm. Well, you've certainly introduced um, an angle that I really appreciate you bringing up with me where there's some risk around the COVID and possibly being exposed to it here. Am I, am I kind of reading between your words right that maybe you felt some pressure to come back maybe ready sooner than you were ready to come back? Well, yeah. I mean, I support my grandma and it's tough right now. Wow. I didn't know that you played that pivotal role with her. That, I mean, that, I'm not surprised to hear you say that, Peter. I know how, how committed you are to doing the right thing. What kind of supports do you do to offer your grandma? Well, I bring her groceries and I spend two nights a week with her when my mom isn't there. Sounds like she really is relying on you both, your mom and your grandma. Yeah, she does. And I don't want to bring the virus home to her. Oh, I, I love that commitment and I don't even know your grandma, but I want her to be safe too. How can you be sure to be really safe so that you're not bringing the virus to her? So in this scenario, the key points that the manager, you're not, you're not, as the manager care, you weren't owning my concerns. You were talking me through it to get to the, to the root issue. What am I really, what's bothering me and, and helping me get to action? Yep, that's exactly it. And that's the power of this model, Peter, because I don't own managing you and making sure that you have great hygiene and making sure you're doing whatever you need to do to keep your grandmother safe. I'm helping you slow down in that spin to think through what are the issues? Is it really that you're not happy at work? You know, on one hand, you're telling me that you are glad to have a job, even though you felt pressure to come back so you could keep your job. And on the other hand, the real root issue seems to be keeping grandma safe, which is something that you can control. And so I'm, I'm slowing you down. I'm actively listening. I'm asking open-ended questions. And it all started with this beginning conversation on, it doesn't seem like you're as motivated 
as we expect people in our team to be, you know, what's going on. So really framing the expectations and then just helping you slow down through active listening, asking open-ended questions, and then call you to action, which was, what can you do to be safe for your grandma? Good stuff. All right. It's, it's interesting when I think about this stuff, Peter, because the conversations are not taking more time. Like I could spend forever just being frustrated with Peter for not showing up well. And if I'm just intentional around this very brief conversation, it can have a really big shift in how people show up and how we rally together to kind of get through this crazy mountain of COVID. Well, and you kept asking me good questions that made me think about the situation. So as the employee, I know you're listening to me because you're feeding stuff back to me and, and actually um, very precisely asking questions about the situation. Well, that's, that's a good point that you brought up, Peter, because there's this fine line between actively listening and asking great questions, and it can turn into a negative situation. For example, when you said that, you know, you're with your grandma a couple of days a week and then your mom is with her a couple of days a week. I could have started asking questions about your mom. What is she doing? Wow. It must be hard on her too. And introduce like a whole other wave of, of anxiety and negativity and reasons why you should get more pay and more of this. And, and so you have to find that balancing point of where can I pivot the conversation and call this person to action? So, you know, active listening at all costs in all moments is is not always the way to go. You definitely need it in the beginning and then you wanna look for that pivot point so that you can call the person to action. Great, so what's next, Carrie? All right, <clears throat> so here's our scenario where we have hospital system where the revenue is down and we're laying off employees. So, the hospital is coming back to some kind of new normal. So they're seeing an increase in volumes, but it's not quick enough really to have confidence that we don't need to, to lay off people. <clears throat> so the employees that are remaining at the hospital, <clears throat> excuse me, are seeing their colleagues being repositioned or laid off. And as a leader, I'm feeling some tension, these elephants in the room, but no one's talking about it. And it is just kind of this heavy cloud over the team. And so I want to initiate a conversation with the whole team. So we're going to hear Peter's voice lots, but he could be a variety of any employee on the team. And we're going to try to kind of get through this, this elephant and as a team rally together to move forward. All right. <clears throat> so imagine that we're either in a huddle in the hallway or we're in a, in a room masked up, all these awkward things of COVID and I'm starting it off. You know, over the months, we've really talked about transparency as a group and how much we value honesty with each other. And I I just have something that's really been weighing on me lately. And I'm sensing that we're carrying around or wrestling with an elephant in the room and really just want to talk through it with everyone here. What elephant are you talking about? I know it's, we, we go from all of this big work on the floor and, and now I'm having this touchy-feely conversation with you. Thanks for bearing with me as we kind of talk through this. I'm just sensing this cloud of how tough it is for all of us right now. Like everything's up in the air, not only our personal lives, there's some uncertainties at work. I mean, we've had people in our team, Devin, you know, kind of taken early retirement, but I'm not sure that, you know, that, that we're seeing that as a good thing for him. 
Yeah, if you call it a retirement. Yeah. I know that that comment of you call it a retirement, I think that's a little bit of, of the elephant maybe that we need to, to talk through with Devin. Well, it was retire or take some loser job. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Devin was, was part of our team. I, I think we all really valued his contribution. And so, yeah, it's, it's a tough spot, isn't it? Yeah, and he wanted to work longer. I, and thank you for just sharing some of your defensiveness and protectiveness for him. It, it's hard having these conversations as a group. And I, I don't want to make it about Devin because it doesn't feel very respectful to talk about him when he isn't here. I wonder if the bigger elephant might be the process or maybe the fears that we have related to what Devin experienced. It just wasn't fair. Okay. Just wasn't fair. So in your perspective, I'd love to understand a bit more what didn't feel fair. Well, he's been here a couple of decades. Why not let him keep working? That seems more compassionate. One of our values. Yeah. So this is super healthy for us to have these conversations. And thanks very much, Peter, for kind of talking about what might feel like a bit of hypocrisy between making this hard call for Peter and really living our values. It, it is a rock and a hard place. You know, on one hand, the organi organization needs to recover. And on the other hand, we, we can't really recover without some change. Yeah, yeah I, get, I get we're behind by millions, but Devin's salary isn't so big that it would make a huge dent when we're talking about millions. Yeah, fair enough. You know, what's one person's salary in the big dent of, of tens of millions of dollars? And, and I hear your argument, Peter. Like, why not let him keep working? Yeah, exactly. So let's, let's talk through this. If you were the president of the company, what decisions would you want to make? So we've had to make some hard decisions to recover financially. Okay. I don't hear a real buy-in when you when you talk about that. So let me see if I'm sort of putting words on some things here to help a little bit, Peter. Cognitively in our heads, we know that some hard decisions have to be made. And I hear you saying that, Peter. And I'm not hearing it sort of come, come through your heart. So you're right that, you know, it's a rock and a hard place. No one's winning, but like you said, um, it's hard to make that statement of we have to make some hard calls and you know, how do we kind of transition it from something we know cognitively in our head and really accepting that in our heart. So what do you well, think would help? Oh, go ahead, Peter. Sorry, I interrupted. No, I, I just guess we just have to suck it up. Well, and gosh, when I think of the service we provide our patients, I would hate for any employee to just suck it up and come to work. Like the impact we have in the community is so, it's a sacred role. And so I want us to work through this. You know, there's that expression that sometimes the best way around the mountain is, is through the mountain. So let's, let's find a way through the mountain and a way to kind of process, because it's not just Devin. You'll have other colleagues or friends, people that know people or casual conversations in the community that that are wrestling with, you know, what our organization has done. So, you know, what, what can we do to honor the people that are no longer here? Well, you know, I guess, I guess we could reach out to Devin. We worked with him for a long time. Okay. 
So let's think through what, what Devin's feeling in terms of that first. Like, what does he need from us to help him move forward? Well, I guess, I guess that we believe in him and, and we think just it isn't fair. Ah, gosh. Yeah, we can confirm his pain. You know, it, it adds to, to the magnitude of it. It's kind of like um, when we confirm his pain, it, it just adds to the magnitude. So if I call Devin and say, man, this is just so rough. Like, I hate that the organization did this to you. It's kind of like adding salt in his wound. So I'm all for honoring him and, and staying in contact. I'm, I'm thoughtful around what is actually helpful. So let us think through um, some positive messages that he might need. He's grieving. Like you said, he wanted to work longer than he is working. You know, he has to process his own anger and, and we're not necessarily helping if we say our own perspective of whether or not it's fair. Well, we could offer to take him to lunch. Okay. And, and my stretch for the team is absolutely honor, honor Devin and take him to lunch. How can we keep that conversation future focused so that we're not dragging Devin down with our thoughts around what's happening at work? Well, I could, I could offer to do a letter of reference or be a reference for him as he moves forward. Wow. Talk about painting a future, right? We're supporting him in his work. And that I think might help us feel like we're doing everything we can to honor him and help him set up and just know that to a certain degree we're not going to love some of the tough decisions the organization has to make this is just another another one of those covid variables that are out of our that's out of our control but i love the idea of really focusing on what we do control which is great idea peter writing a letter of recommendation honoring devin Well, the, the focus of this scenario is for the group to identify how they can help Devin and move, help him move forward. Focus on what will help him keep going forward. Yeah, this is, this is a tough one. And I hear a lot of organizations, um, I have a consulting business on the side and some of the other organizations I'm working with really talk about this in healthcare and out of healthcare. You know, how do we transition just the tough reality and our sense of unfairness into a place of action that's really centered on the positivity. And so as leaders, I think we have a responsibility to certainly do the active listening and, and put words on the tough things and stretch people to shift their thinking and their behavior. You know, what are those pivot things that, that are going to help? And sometimes that active listening, Peter, you know, when, when you had said I could, you know, we could take them for lunch and kind of say how this isn't fair. Well, part of my active listening is saying, okay, you want to tell him that it's not fair, really? Like, uh, how's that going to help him? You know, and I can active listen and in that kind of call out, eh, let's, let's rethink this. What does Devin really need from us? So that's, um, that's a good example. Thanks, Peter, for playing the other part with us. That's perfect. Well, Carrie, I, I liked how you, you didn't let it get into a spiral of negativity. And again, the organizations are going to make the decisions that they have to make that are tough. And yeah. there's not a negotiation there. And it's something to, hey, we got to move forward and, and get a better day for the next day. Yeah. What can we control out of all of that? And sometimes it helps 
just to give people a framework to think through that. I really like that, um, that idea of just let's focus on what we can control. You know, I can't control the millions of dollars the company's out. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for the next one? Let's roll. All right. You're being such a good sport. Thank you, Peter. All right. So this is a patient financial services area and we're extending the furlough. And so we're doing another round. So there's been a couple of furlough rounds already and the employees at work are just tired and they're actually asking, Hey, can I be furloughed a bit before the government takes away the extra $600? So this one is employee initiated. Peter's going to start the conversation with me as the leader around um, asking for, you know, please bring someone else back so I can get a break. Gary, yeah. I, I heard the announcement about another round of furloughing. So John isn't coming back. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like um, our volumes are not up as quickly as we hoped. So we have to extend the furloughs, which means John's still not coming back. You know, you'd think they'd let people take turns or something. Hmm, taking turns. I'm trying to logically think through what that looks like. Tell me a little more what you've been thinking about. Well, it'd be nice if I got a little extra money on unemployment. I know I certainly could use the break. Okay. I hear you talking about extra money and the break. Are you kind of feeling burned out? No, I mean, I'm glad to have a job and, and all, but it'd be nice to have a break. I'm with you. I mean, I reflect on how fortunate we are to be classified as essential workers and have a job. I'm also hearing that you would like a break. So what do you want to have a break from the most? You know, Carrie, I got, I kind of got the leftover stuff to do the stuff nobody really wants to get to. It's this funny environment that we're in a eh, where not everybody is here to do their full-time job. And so we have to kind of split up some of that yucky stuff. So normally you're working on stuff that, that is really specific to your job. And now you're having to do some of the stuff that we, more of the stuff that we kind of spread out through everybody. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm thinking if I was in your shoes, I'm wondering what does that do to your motivation? Well, it makes me want to take a break. <laughs> Fair enough. All sorts of distractions. And since we're kind of bored at home with nothing to be able to do at COVID, you take a break here or chat with people or yeah, get away from it. So if you could have a break from kind of this mundane stuff that we normally spread out across the team, what would you want to do? Probably just nothing. It would just be good to have a break. Wow. Okay. So high level, if I'm following you, you're just sick and tired of doing this mundane work that you feel was kind of left over the sort of scut work, if you will. And you just, just have had enough. Yep. You got it. Okay. And maybe it's not so much about a break because I'm not hearing you sort of identify something that you're just dying to do, but it's more about not doing this kind of yucky work anymore. Right. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me about this, Peter. And this is this kind of open communication is something that we really value on our team. So let's let's do some brainstorming together. You know, what can we do so that you do get a break from the kind of mundane stuff that you don't want to do? Well, I could give it all to Sarah. 
Okay. <laughs> and I see you're smiling as you say that. And of course, one of our commitments to our coworkers is collaborating and not dumping. <laughs> so I totally get that you're venting and I appreciate you kind of even in your smile calling yourself out. That's, that's cool. So let's think through how we can leverage Sarah though, because you're right, she has some talents and she's probably the only other one on our team that knows how to do some of this work. Yeah, she is. Why is that? I'm not following why is what? Why is it only Sarah and I who know how to do this stuff? Shouldn't everyone know? Ah, now we're getting at process instead of people and you're really um, highlighting our lack of cross-training. You know, if I had a magic wand and could kind of go back, honestly, Peter, we would have done some cross-training before COVID hit. And I'm, I guess I'm, I'm struggling to, to see how we could do some of that cross-training now. Tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are on how we can maybe accomplish this. You know, if we could all do a little bit, I bet we would be less burnt out and get through it all faster together. I'm definitely, definitely thoughtful around protecting the team from burnout. And I'm also worried about asking the team to learn a bunch of new things that's going to add to their burnout. So help, like, I'm not saying no, I'm saying let's brainstorm together on how we can honor what you need, which is kind of getting away from some of this mundane work and my concern around kind of protecting people's burnout. So let's, let's keep the dialogue going. Sounds good. So the cool thing here, focusing on coaching the employee to stay on solutions and, and not take the simple path of, it'd be nice to have a break. Yeah, and, and I think the wonderful thing about this four-step process is that we're certainly reinforcing norms, values, behaviors, beliefs. Active listening slows the person down. Open-ended questions starts them thinking out of their rut. And then the call to action shifts it from being a victim to really more solution-oriented. So here, you know, Peter was just feeling like, why me, poor me, this is too much, it's unfair. The whining, the complaining, like I can only imagine the stories in Peter's head. Here we're saying, I'm open, let's brainstorm, have some, you know, more thoughtful answers as we think through some of this. So absolutely, you're, you're nailing it when we want to lead people into that solution mindset. It's about it's about root cause analysis and really getting into the future of how we want things to be. Good stuff. All right. So in this next one, we have an employee who's coming back from furlough. So they've been off for a couple of months. The processes have changed. They kind of feel out of the loop. And the team who has been working nonstop feels a little bit resentful because here's this person coming back all fresh and relaxed and they're talking about having naps every day and things seem sure rosy with that extra money at home. And then the staff are tired and the leader sees this kind of division and talks to someone who is not furloughed to help engage the team and figure out what's happening. So I'm going to be the leader and Peter's going to be someone who was not furloughed. So the tired employee who's kind of still there, trudging, trudging along, and here we'll kick it off. Hey, Peter, I see that you have more hands on deck today with Patrick being back. 
Yeah, I guess so. Well, what's it like having someone else here now? That's great. Nah, I don't know. Eh, fine, I guess. Wow, that's not the response I expected. What do you mean by fine? Give me the scoop. Well, kind of looks like Patrick doesn't have a lot to do. What? What do you mean? Not doesn't not a lot to tell me. Just tell me. Well, I mean, he's slow. He's he, you know, he's just kind of he's not getting done as quickly. And I, I don't know. It just he seems like he's slow. Can you tell me a little bit about like what your observations are now compared to before COVID and before Patrick's furlough? Well, he was he was normal then. He 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 worked at the pace everybody else did. Well, I can certainly see how that's causing some frustration, and I do know how much you've been just diving in and really doing the heavy lifting, Peter. Let's let's pause for a second here and kind of think through in in Patrick's shoes, what are some of the changes that we've gone through here that you know he just hasn't been a part of? So where to start? Okay, fair fair enough. That might have been a loaded question. Give me three off the top of your head. Have to check the temperature at the door. I'm doing more of Charmaine's work now too, and it's quiet around here. It's like it's like a ghost town. Okay, so the the feeling at work is different. Process even coming in is just weird, and doing lots of other people's work. Okay, so of those three things, I'm especially loving the ghost town. I'm relieved in my extrovertedness. Don't don't kill me here. What of those um, do you think does does Patrick really get? Well, I guess the temperature thing. You know, Patrick had to do that coming to work today. Okay. How long did it take you to, to get your temperature checked today? Uh, half a minute. Okay. So when I, when I listen to your frustration that Patrick really isn't carrying his weight, I'm not sure that the temperature check is, is something that's really pressing. So how are you feeling about doing more of Charmaine's work? What about it? Well, what do you think Patrick's understanding is of how much of Charmaine's work you've actually had to pick up? Zip. None, I guess. Okay. So I'm just, again, trying to put myself in a real generous way into Patrick's shoes. You've definitely done the heavy lifting with everyone off, and, and you've learned more about Charmaine's work than you have ever wanted to know. So now that you have Patrick back, based on what you're telling me, is, is, is kind of out of the loop. So much has changed. I wonder, you know, just not being looped in, just you kind of feel ostracized a bit on the outside. What can we do to loop him in and engage him in the work? Loop him on what? Well, we've talked before about kind of being a part of the team and what those norms, values, behaviors, beliefs are. We want to get him in the circle with us. We want to have him be part of the team. You've kind of described him maybe being on the outside a little bit. And so part of that is sharing information. Like how would Patrick know just the heavy lifting and the big work and where you're at at work if you don't share it with them. Like, even if you don't think it's important to the other person, it's on them to, to deal with the information however they want, but it's on us to share the information. So what, what information do you think Patrick needs to know in order to be a better colleague? This was great. I mean, it, it, um, 
you, you coached me to reflect on what Patrick's going through and get caught up on all the changes. Somebody gone for three months, there's a lot to catch up on. And the focus is communicating within the circle of the team. And that's part of that expectations that you set. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, as we get tired, we, we tend to fall more into that victim mode. And I think some of the shifting our thinking and behavior is really getting out of that victim mindset. And so here, you know, Patrick was just feeling overworked, overdone. Who knows if, if um, Patrick is really not producing as well. But Peter has this sense that he does, right? And, and so how do we start getting some collaboration, some sharing of information? And, um, and as a leader, I would certainly, you know, we'd think through the conversation, do the role play, and then I'd follow up with, with you, Peter, at the end of the day and kind of say, how'd that conversation go? You know, and some, some accountability to share information and follow through. Well, and I think you did a good job of um, changing the mindset from being a victim to putting my perspective as the disgruntled person in what Patrick's dealing with, basically coming back to a place he thought he knew that he may not know quite so well. Yeah, and that, and that just feels isolating. And of course, I'm not going to engage if I feel isolated. No, that's yep. Yep. not a stretch. All yep. right. Absolutely. Carrie, thank you for walking us through these strategies and helping us demonstrate what they may look like in action. Appreciate your time. Mm-hmm. And thank you all for listening. Visit createvalue.org to find COVID-19 resources that can help you lead through the COVID-19 crisis. All of us at Catalysis hope you stay healthy. Stay tuned for more episodes designed to help healthcare leaders navigate through the rapidly changing world that COVID-19 has presented to us all. Thank you for listening. Visit createvalue.org slash the lens to learn more about how catalysis can inspire you to accelerate change in your organization.